Hey everyone, Tony Farinella here with the latest edition of Flicks and Football. On this Friday, November 30th, we will be previewing the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers. The two-win Arizona Cardinals come into Lambeau Field with their only two wins coming against the San Francisco 49ers, which are teams which is the team in their division. And the Packers come in at 4-6-1 with all hope looking lost. We've seen a lot of people out there talking about how if Green Bay does this and these teams lose, uh, Green Bay can get into the playoffs. I don't see this as a playoff team. I don't see things improving to the point where they'd be a playoff team. And even if they did get into the playoffs, I would imagine they would be trounced in the first round and... Make no mistake about it, I'm a diehard Green Bay Packer fan, and I will always try to see the upside, and I'll always try to see the positive. However, this team has not given me or the rest of Packer Nation much to really get excited about outside of Week 1 with the 20-point comeback against the Chicago Bears. And it pains me to say that, but there comes a point in time where you can only hold out hope for so long and then you realize that reality has settled in. And that's where I'm at as a Packer fan. I just want to see them finish the season, as I said, strong. I want to see them win the final five games, be 9-6-1, and one, show that they're still fighting and they're still competing. And then in the offseason, a lot of changes need to be made. A lot of players have to go. Possibly some coaches... But right now in front of them is a football game. They have five of them left. The Arizona Cardinals is the next game up. They are double-digit favorites in this point. at this point. Uh, last I checked, it was 14. I've heard 12. I'm not a big stats guy, so I want you guys to know that they're listening to this podcast. I'm not big into stats. Stats, to me, don't tell the full story, as I've mentioned many times. Stats can be very misleading. Aaron Rodgers, for example, has thrown one interception the entire season. One interception in 11 games. You'd think, oh, wow, he's having an incredible year. But you look at the completion percentage, and as they always say, look at the eye test. And the eye test has shown a quarterback that is not the same. You'll see flashes where Aaron Rodgers looks really good. You'll see other flashes where he looks not so good. So he's not been the consistent quarterback that we have come to expect. Many people have been pointing back to that Denver Bronco Sunday night football game back in November of 2015, I believe it was November 1st, when Green Bay was 6-0 and and Denver was 6-0, and and essentially Green Bay got the tar beat out of them from there, they finished the season 4-6. and six. To finish 10-6, and six, Minnesota won the division. Green Bay won a playoff game against Washington. And then they lost a heartbreaker to the Arizona Cardinals in a Hail Mary game. I know there's been three Hail Mary games. The Richard Rodgers one was the original. Then there was the Jeff Janis one. And then there was the Randall Cobb one. Of course... The Richard Rodgers won, won the football game with no time on the clock after a face mask. 
the one against Jeff Janis got the game into overtime where Larry Fitzgerald took over. And the one against Cobb was a big momentum switch going into halftime to put Green Bay up 14-6 as opposed to being up 7-6. So everybody, of course, remembers the 2009 wildcard game between Green Bay and Arizona. They remember the 2015 Green Bay-Arizona divisional game. This is not the Arizona team that was coached under Bruce Arians or Ken Wisenhunt. This is a totally different team under coach Steve Wilkes. And quite frankly, I've only watched one Cardinal game this year. So I don't have a ton of information on the Arizona Cardinals as far as the eye test and watching football games, which I think you see a lot more when you watch the game and you find out what's working for Arizona, what's not working for Arizona, why are they 2-9, and nine, why haven't they performed better, they started the year giving Sam Bradford a monster contract, which, as they learned very quickly, turned out to be a huge mistake. He did not start many games for them before they inserted Josh Rosen, who has done about as well as one can expect from a rookie. He's not going to uh, wow anyone, but there have been some flashes of really good football. The two players on the Arizona offense that stick out to me and anyone who follows them or hears about them or watches them, again, I've only seen one game when they were playing the Bears, and they had a 14 nothing lead, and they lost the game 16-14, to I believe it was, which was disappointing because I really wanted them to beat the Bears, is David Johnson, who they paid big money to. He's a great running back out of the backfield. He can catch the ball, he can run it, he can do everything. He's a really, really good player. Has struggled with some injuries in the past, but seems to be healthy this year. Um, I guess I have to go against what I say. I have to I have to look at some stats here, so I sound somewhat informed. Um, he's had 185 rushing attempts for 692 yards, 3.7 average, 53 is as long, and he's had six touchdowns. So, with Green Bay having Mike Daniels banged up and out for potentially the season, I would imagine if Green Bay is not... I mean, I don't think they're in playoff contention, but if Green Bay somehow mathematically is in playoff contention near the final two, two weeks, if he's healthy and able to go, I have to believe that Mike Daniels will be out there. But without him out there... David Johnson is going to pose a huge problem with the banged-up defensive line, which was supposed to be our strength, and it was a strength when they had Dean Lowry, Mohamed Wilkerson, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels. Of course, Mohamed Wilkerson got hurt in Week 3 thanks to Kentrell Bryce. His own player hurt him. Mike Daniels hurt his foot in the Seattle Thursday night game. There's been rumors as to whether it's broken or not. He has said it's not, but I, I don't know. When it comes to NFL teams talking about medical, uh, medical stuff, you're never really 100% sure what is true and what's not. I, I did hear he was riding around on a scooter. Um, Larry Fitzgerald, the ageless Larry Fitzgerald, who has caused many a nightmare for Green Bay Packer fans and Philadelphia Eagle fans. 
Larry Legend, as they call him, is a phenomenal football player on the field and an even better person off the field, which speaks to his talent and speaks to the kind of person that he is. Those are the two players you're going to have to watch. On Green Bay, there are too many injuries to mention right now. Kevin King, Bashad Breeland, Randall Cobb, Lane Taylor, David Bakhtiari, Kentrell Bryce. I saw that Green Bay did sign a safety in Eddie Pleasant, who's actually had NFL game experience, a couple interceptions, I think a forced fumble. So that's one thing I like about Brian Gutekunst compared to Ted Thompson, is that he's not afraid to go out there and to sign a free agent that has NFL experience and has played in the NFL. Practice squad guys are great, and, you know, Gutekunst has called up some practice squad guys, but you, you need guys that know what it feels like to suit up on Sunday and to play. This game will be at noon, which will be a nice change of pace after a lot of night games and 325 games. I like to wake up, go for a walk, and, and watch the Packers and have them win and enjoy the rest of my day. So they're back at Lambeau, which is always great. Now, if Green Bay loses this game, which I don't think they will, I've got Green Bay winning 28-17. to I think it'll be somewhere in that range, probably an Aaron Jones kind of game. Um, Devontae Adams is probably going to be matched up with uh, Patrick Peterson a lot, and that'll be something that'll be fun to watch as... In the Players' Tribune, um, Devontae Adams talked about how Patrick Peterson is one of the top five corners he's ever faced. That'll be something to keep an eye on, which if he's being locked up by Patrick Peterson, which is a high possibility because Patrick Peterson can lock people up and you know take them out of the game, we're going to need contributions from Jimmy Graham, who's got a broken thumb. We're going to need Equimedia St. Brown to step up. We're going to need Mercedes Lewis to step up. We're going to need Lance Kendricks. We're going to need Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I don't know if they're going to call up Jake Kumaro. It would be nice to see just some playmakers on the field. You know, again, will Randall Cobb play? I don't know. With the Packers' injury situation, looks like decisions won't be made until game time. So it's uh, a very odd position to be in, uh, to have this game for Green Bay. It's a game they should win. If they lose this game to the Arizona Cardinals at home, I can just imagine what Packer fans and Packer Nation will say. I just want to say that. From what I saw of Arizona, which again was week three against Chicago, they seem, and, and the game was at home, they seem to be a feisty bunch on defense. They seem to play hard. They, they seem just to do things that bad teams do. Some games are competitive, some games they aren't. For the most part, I don't believe they've been too competitive. But again, I have an NFL Sunday ticket, and the Arizona Cardinals are not one of the top teams that I seek out to watch. Normally, I would break it down matchup by matchup, but because I haven't seen a lot of Arizona Cardinal games, I don't want to give you guys false information as far as which team has an advantage at this position. And stats to me are stats. The eye test is what matters most. And... The eye test tells me that Green Bay should beat this Arizona team. Mike Pettin, he's facing a rookie QB. We saw what he did to Josh Allen of Buffalo, so hopefully against Josh Rosen, he has similar success. 
Maybe the Green Bay defense will get a shutout at home again, have two shutouts to build off of uh, you know, against Buffalo and Arizona. That, that would be great to see, but I have a hard time believing you're going to contain David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald for an entire football game. That, that seems very hard to, for me to, to believe. I believe they're going to get some plays off and some things are going to happen. Not sure what the weather is quite yet for the game. Um, so if Green Bay wins this game, which I think they will be, they'll be at 5-6-1. and one. And then the, the Atlanta Falcons come in, which even though their record says they're 4-7, and seven, they are a team that has playmakers. They have Julio Jones. They have Calvin Ridley. They have Mohamed Sanu. They have Matt Ryan. They have a lot of a lot of playmakers, so I don't think that'll be an easy game for Green Bay. I know I'm getting ahead of myself by talking about you know Atlanta, but I'm just looking at this two game home stretch, and I really don't want to look over Arizona because when you look over a team, uh, bad things tend to happen. Um, I don't know. Just this Randall Cobb said earlier this year that something just seems different and something just seems off about this Green Bay Packer team and. It's always the second half or the fourth quarter, and thankfully they're at home, as I've stated. But, you know, again, if they lose this game, it's going to be an interesting podcast on Monday, that's for sure. It would be embarrassing to lose this game. I understand Arizona has Fitz, Gerald, they have David Johnson. It felt weird calling him Fitz. You notice that I kind of stopped. I was going to say Fitz, but I I know the guy well enough to call him Fitz, so I'll go with Fitzgerald. And David Johnson, they have an opportunistic defense with Patrick Peterson, so it would not be shocking to me if Arizona kept this game a lot closer than a lot of the pundits like would like you to believe. However, for all intents and purposes, Green Bay should win this game. They should win it, probably build a big lead, maybe Arizona gets some garbage time, you know, you know, a touchdown here or there, you know, or a field goal, but... It's sad, it's sad, and my one silver lining of hope is that I'm hoping that Green Bay finds a way December 16th, 2018 to win in Soldier Field. If they swept the Bears, considering what a disappointing season this has been for the Packers, I would take that. I would be very happy, and I would go into the offseason smiling. You have to take the little victories here and there. And that's, for, and that's what Green Bay is playing for right now. They're playing for little victories. I don't care what other people say. This team is not going to make the playoffs. I'd be happy to be proven wrong. I would be very happy to say here on this podcast, I was wrong. Green Bay made the playoffs. It wouldn't be the first time that Green Bay has proven me wrong and that Green Bay has showed that they can do something special. Um, I'd be the first to admit, in 2010, I didn't think Green Bay could make the playoffs. In 2014, I knew it was a good team. I didn't know how good of a team it was. In 2016, when they were 4-16 and and then they ran the table, I didn't think they'd make it to the championship game. So, I like to say in Mike McCarthy we trust, but has he, lo- has he lost a team? That's something that needs to be talked about. It needs to be talked about at length because... I've never seen, as many people have pointed out, such bad body language on the part of Aaron Rodgers. He looks legitimately angry and frustrated in the press conferences. He's been a little bit more upbeat. I think he's trying to 
be a good leader, but I, I don't think him and Mike are seeing eye to eye. And one of the quotes I always hear, I believe it was said by Bill Walsh of the 49ers. I know Jason Wilde has talked about this quote a lot, is that after 10 years, sometimes a coach and his, men and, and his uh, message uh, grows stale. I don't know if that's happened with McCarthy. I mean, I'm not in that locker room. So to speculate, to me, would be unfair as a football fan, as a Packer fan, and to the team, uh, to speculate. From what I see, they're fighting. I mean, to me, 2005 Green Bay Packers, for example, it was clear that they had lost all hope and all faith in Mike Sherman. They were getting, I mean, they were close in games, don't get me wrong, but you can just tell that there was something not right. Maybe that's the same case here. A lot of things get uncovered after the season or after the fact. A lot of people are talking about what's going on in Cleveland with uh, Baker Mayfield coming out and criticizing Hugh Jackson, which to me as a rookie, you should kind of keep your mouth shut. I mean, you've only, gosh, the Browns had the same record as the Packers, which has been pointed out to me more times than I'd care to admit that they're both 4-6-1, and one, but... Show a little humility. Even if you think that and you're, you know, Baker Mayfield, at least be over 500, you know, make the playoffs, prove that you've, you know, done something before you just come out and start, you know, bashing someone who's been coaching for a long time. Make no mistake about it, Hugh Jackson did not get the job done in Cleveland, but I think the Browns are acting very immaturely including our old friend Demarius Randall handing his interception to Hugh Jackson, who I thought handled it like a professional. He just, you know, tapped him on the helmet and, you know, it could have been an opportunity for a sideline altercation, but he didn't go to, to Demarius Randall's level. And Demarius has played well for Cleveland, but he's still immature. And I haven't seen him grow up. And we all know that... Last season, 2017, in the week four victory over the Bears, he was benched uh, and sent. He wasn't even benched. He was just sent to the. He was benched, plus he was sent to the locker room. And as it's been reported, the Veterans Committee wanted him cut off the team. They didn't want him on the team anymore. And even though he turned out to be their best corner last year with all the injuries, he's too much of a head case. He, he talks too much. He's very arrogant, very smug. And there's a, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. I, I, I'm, like, for example, our new rookie corner, uh, Jair Alexander, very confident, does talk a lot, but it doesn't come from a place of mean-spiritedness. And he's having fun out there. He's just enjoying himself. Where Demarius seems like a kid who needs to stay off his Twitter page and just play football. You know, again, you're 4-6-1. There's no reason to be out there taunting your ex-coach. Do you think Hugh Jackson wanted to lose those games? He was trying his best. He was doing what he thought was in the best interests of the football team. It didn't work out, and and for Baker Mayfield, a rookie, and the Marius Randall, a player who has been very immature to do those type of things, I feel for Hugh Jackson. I really do. I, I don't think he deserves that treatment, and, I, you know... Cleveland's had a lot of issues, and it, it goes way beyond Hugh Jackson. And they've made some front office moves, and they're a better team, but 
until you prove that you can do this for longer than just, you know, a short period of time, I think you should just keep your mouth shut and play football. Back to the Green Bay Packers, because that's what this podcast is usually about and supposed to be about, but I do want to incorporate other football talk in there as well, because I think it's important to expand and be there for as many football fans as possible. When I look at the 2018 Green Bay Packers, if someone had to give me a title to put on it if they were a book, I would say the 2018 Green Bay Packers, what if? This has been a season of what ifs. It's eerily similar to the 2008 Green Bay Packers, who finished 6-10. and They were in a lot of games, and they had a 1,200-yard rusher, in Ryan Grant. They had 2,000-yard receivers in Donald Driver and Greg Jennings. They had James Jones, who even though he didn't have 1,000 a, a yards, had a really good year. They had Aaron Rodgers, who threw for 4,000 yards, 28 TDs, 13 interceptions. There I go again with the stats. The stats might come in here or there if they pop in my head. I'm just, I like to go from my heart here and what I remember. Yes, researchers out there, we all have Google, we all can look stuff up, but if something sticks in my head, I remember it. And this was a team who lost so many close games. Seemed like whatever could go wrong did go wrong for the 2008 Packers, Seems to be the, which was Rodgers' first year as a starter. Seems to be the case for the 2018 Packers. All I want this week out of the Packers is quite simply... To win the game, get healthy, stay healthy. Just win and play Green Bay Packer football. I miss that winning feeling. It seems to have come so inconsistently and so randomly for Green Bay. Bull. Let's go back to the start of the season. Week 1, Green Bay is down 20 to nothing in the second half against the Chicago Bears. And they come back and they win 24-23. to You're like, oh my god, what a comeback. What does this season hold? It's the 100th season. Magical things are going to happen. They follow that up with a tie to Minnesota in a game I firmly believe, and I will stick to my gut on this one, and I will stick to my heart, that they firmly had this game won. Jair Alexander, game-winning interception, Called back because of roughing the passer against Clay Matthews. This is when they were still fidgeting with the rules and trying to decide what is roughing the passer, what is not roughing the passer. It cost Green Bay a game. Now, if Green Bay wins that game, they're 5-6 and six right now. In Week 3, they travel to Washington. They get off to a horrible start. The defense gives up a ton of points early on. Puts Green Bay in a hole they lose to Washington. So you get a enormous victory in Week 1, a tie in Week 2, and a loss in Week 3. So at this point, you experience just about everything you can in a <laughs> for the first three games of the season. Week 4, they play Buffalo at home. Buffalo at that point was a hot mess. They win 22 to nothing, shut them out. They go on the road to Detroit, much like the game against Washington, a very slow start. And they fall behind early, and they cannot 
come back to win the game. So at this point, they've played five games. They are 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. They play Monday Night Football. They play against San Francisco, a team that they should have blown out. Instead, they squeak out and eke out a victory thanks to a Mason Crosby field goal. So going into the bye week, they are 3-2-1. and one. You're like, all right, the bye week, see what adjustments and improvements they can make for the remainder of this season, especially the tough stretch where they had four out of their next five games on the road. We all know about the Rams game. No need to go through that one again. Ty Montgomery takes it out of the end zone, fumbles, game over. So they're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. All right. New England, once again, 17-17. to 17. Going into the fourth, Green Bay's in position to score. He fumbles. Aaron Jones, 3-4-1. and one. They come home against Miami with Brock Osweiler. They, they don't give up a touchdown, complete domination. Now they're 4-4-1. Four, four we don't get to enjoy that victory very long because before we know it, we have to play the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle on a short rest for a Thursday night game. They lose that game 4-5-1, and one, and then, of course, Minnesota, they lost 4-6-1. and one. So what if that is the season? So you beat Chicago. Awesome victory, one of the best games I've ever watched. They tie. They beat Buffalo. You're like, oh, good. A shutout. The defense is coming around. Mason Crosby misses a ton of field goals in Detroit. So as soon as you start to feel good, something bad happens. San Francisco played us much tougher than they should have, or we should have allowed them to. But we're relieved to get the victory and go into the bye week. Come out in Los Angeles, mostly Packer fans. They go up 10 nothing, and then the Rams get a field goal, and then we don't get the ball back because of Ty Montgomery's selfish decision. So again, San Francisco, bye week, feeling good, Rams heartbreaker. And then you feel good again when you beat Miami, and then you lose two in a row to Seattle and Minnesota. So it's been, there's been no, they have not won two games in a row. They have lost two games in a row in terms of Seattle and Minnesota. It's been a very heartbreaking, frustrating, upsetting season for Packer fans. So to wrap it up for Flicks and Football, beat Arizona, and then we'll talk about Atlanta, and we'll see how the playoff picture shapes out again. I don't think they're making the playoffs. I really don't. If they haven't gotten it figured out by now, nothing's going to change at this point. So... Thank you, as always, for downloading and listening to Flicks and Football. I am Tony Farinella. Signing off for now, but I will talk to you on Monday, hopefully a victory Monday, after the Packer-Cardinal game. If not, it will be a very interesting podcast. Well, it will be a very interesting podcast, win or lose, but it will be extremely interesting if they lose. Thank you again, and have a great weekend, and go Pack Go!